righteous judgment versus unrighteous judgment, but you can make judgment. Let's read Matthew chapter seven, verse one through five. Judge not that ye be not judged. Do not stop there. Verse two, for with what judgment ye judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure ye met, it shall be measured to you again. Verse three, and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considers not the beam that is in thine own eye? Verse four, how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thy own eye? Verse five, context, very important. Thou hypocrite. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam of thy own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. All right, we got context. Let's move forward. This is probably one of the most taken out of context scriptures, and not only for the unbelievers, the wicked, the sinners, but for the body of Christ. That's an issue. Let's read Matthew chapter 7, verse 2, an amplified and expanded version for more clarity, okay? This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 2, an amplified version, and this is what it reads. For just as you hypocritically judge others when you are sinful and unrepentant, so will you be judged. In accordance with what standard of measure used to pass out judgment, judgment will be measured to you. And this is expanded version. You will be judged in the same way that you judge others, in the amount, in the amount you give to others will be given to you or the standard you use for others will be the standard used for you with the measure you measure it will be measured to you so the scripture is not saying that you cannot judge at all it's saying the same judgment you give to somebody else jesus christ will judge you for that same measure that same standard there we have it context let's move forward before we want to say don't judge you know judge not lest ye be judged you know that's not even what the scripture says we don't bunk that all up. Let's look up what the word judge actually means, okay? I like to find the Greek and Hebrew meaning of words. So the word judge, the Greek word for it is krino, and it's G2919. And this is the outline biblical usage. This is how the Bible uses the word judge. Number one, to separate, put asunder, to pick out, select, choose. Number two, to approve, esteem, to prefer. Number three, to be of opinion, deem, think to be opinion, to be opinion, Four, to determine, resolve, decree. Five, to judge. Letter A, to pronounce an opinion concerning right or wrong. I, to be judged. For example, summoned to trial that one's case may be examined and judgment passed upon it. Okay, so let's let's continue on. So this is what to judge means. Even Christ gave us the permission to judge. Let's go to Matthew chapter seven. It's in the same chapter when he said judge not. Um, I'm about butchered and said the same thing y'all say, but because it's so written in your brain, but the same chapter he talked about judgment himself, what we can judge. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter seven. I believe verse 16 through 20. Let's read it. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not Fourth, good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. You're going to see why I keep emphasizing the word know. Okay, let's go to my notes. All right. How will an individual be able to know, to determine, to judge if someone is a false prophet or even a false Christian by their fruits? What is judgment again? The ability to pick out, to determine, to deem, to pronounce opinion concerning right and wrong. This is what Christ is allowing you to do. He is giving you the ability to judge, all right? But let's continue on. Jesus Christ, our Savior, gave us the okay to pronounce judgment. However, he did not call us to judge out of hypocrisy, 
For example, if I am continuing in sin publicly or even privately, okay, because he sees you in private and I decide to judge you for doing the same thing. Say I say you're on your way to hell. Say I say you're on your way to hell. Then that same standard I place on that individual, Jesus will judge me. He will hold me accountable against that same standard. That's what it means on when Matthew chapter seven, verse one and two. OK, but do not judge out of hypocrisy. That's the thing. Now let's go to James chapter four, verse 11 through 12. OK, believers do not speak against or slander one another. He who speaks self-righteously against a brother or judges his brother hypocritically speaks against the law and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and to destroy the one God who has the absolute power of life and death. But who are you to hypocritically or self-righteously pass judgment on your neighbor. And James didn't say that you could not pass judgment. No, it specifically said hypocritically or self-righteously. Okay. That's why I read in the Amplified because you're reading King James. You'd be like, oh, well, I can't judge at all. No, we got to make sure we get context and stuff. Let's move forward. So I said in here, I was curious to see what James meant by law. And he's talking about the law of love. Okay. The second greatest commandment, we know this is in Matthew chapter 22, verse 39. And it says, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the law of love is explained in first Corinthians chapter 13, verse four um, through six and Amplified. Let's read it. Love and dears with patience and serenity peace love is kind and thoughtful it isn't is not jealous or envious love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant it is not rude it's not self-seeking it is not provoked nor overly sensitive and easily anger it does not take into account a wrong and dirt it does not rejoice at injustice but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail now if we apply this back to james chapter 4 verse 11 12 this is what james is talking about notice how it said love is um it's not self-seeking remember self we cannot judge out of self-right righteousness right um it's not jealous or envious so you shouldn't make judgment like that it's not prideful that goes right back to that self-righteousness okay and also hypocrisy as well so this is the law of love let's continue on so to reiterate before we move on james did not say you cannot judge he said you cannot judge out of hypocrisy or out of self-righteousness okay because you will be above you will be a judge of the law the law of love okay not a doer of the law let's move forward for real this time so let's talk about paul okay paul's letters because he is like the main writer of the new testament consider the epistles of paul to the church were they not filled with judgment and rebuke I'm going to say it one more time. Consider the epistles of Paul to the church. Were they not filled with judgment and rebuke? We can judge and rebuke our brethren. How else will we be edified? You know, you got to think about that too. Consider 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 3 to 5. We're going to read an amplified version just so everybody can understand. For I, this is Paul speaking to the church of Corinth. For I, though absent from you in body, but present in spirit, have already passed judgment on him who has committed this act as if I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled and I am with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to hand over this man to Satan for the destruction of his body so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. This is what Paul said. Would you slap Matthew chapter seven, verse one and two against Paul? Would you do that? Be honest. 
And to give context, what was happening before this, the Church of Corinthians, they were allowing these sexual moral acts to happen in the church. They weren't using their ability to judge that the most High gift that gave them. And Paul had to take he had to take charge, basically, and he had to give him that commandment. And I love how it said to hand him over to Satan. This is what it means. Um, Probably call for the man to be excommunicated and removed from the safety and the blessing of the church, because if we have a man that's dwelling in sin, right, he's going to be a affecting the body of Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7, purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened, okay? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Okay, I don't know if y'all remember that scripture. That one person was affecting the whole body of Christ and they were supposed to remove him, but they won't remove him. They didn't want to judge. They didn't want to act in their authority that Jesus Christ gave them. So Paul had to take over. It was reported among them that they were indulging in fornications, like that's not even named among the Gentiles. They were sleeping with each other, like family members were sleeping with each other. So yeah, that's how bad it got. So my question to you is, was Paul in the wrong? Was he not supposed to judge? Did he judge unrighteously? Is he guilty of Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 and verse 2? No. First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2 through 6. Do you not know that the saints, God's people, will one day judge the world? If the world is to be judged by you, are you not competent to try trivial and significant petty cases? Do you not know that we believers will judge angels? How much more than as to matters of this life? So if you have lawsuits dealing with matters of this life, are you appointing those as judges to hear disputes who are not who are of no account in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is not one wise man among you who is governed by integrity and will be able to be be able and competent to decide private disputes between his fellow believers, but instead brother goes to law against brother that before judges who are unbelievers. Hear what Paul is saying. It was bad at this point where whenever a brother had a problem against each other, even Christ said this, that the brothers should handle it themselves, that they will go to judges, judges who were not even believers to handle the disputes. When in the body of Christ, they should be able to judge it because Christ gave us the ability to judge. And catch this, we're even going to be the ones to judge the world if you endure to the end and judge the angels. Judgment. Move forward. This next thing I call it, we can't judge because we lack knowledge. Hosea chapter four, verse six. Let's read it. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Because thou has rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou has forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. We love to quote Hosea chapter four, verse six, but no, no, this is very evident in the church today. Let's continue on. The church cannot judge accurately and righteously because they lack the knowledge of the word. Therefore, we judge with idleness, wickedness, and vanity. This destroys us. We think we are judging according to the Holy Spirit, yet it is our own spirit. Deception. The cause of deception is the lack of knowledge and it, it destroys his people. We say we can't judge. It's because we're deceived and we're deceived because we lack the, the knowledge on how to judge. And it's so interesting about this, too, because as I was praying before the Holy Spirit, before doing this, he put discernment in my heart. I was like, wait, what is this? I, I knew what discernment was, but I had to look it up again. I was like, wait, discernment literally is the ability to judge between to determine what is good and what is evil. That's judgment. That's literally a gift. But we say we can't judge. I'm sorry. I just. Yeah, let's continue. This is what the most I put in my heart as I was writing out this lesson. The church is a safe house for sin. And I'm going to say it one more time. The church is a safe house for sin. Once again, this was placed on my heart. My church has become a safe house for sin. Why do people use safe houses? To protect them from a threat, danger. Someone is seeking to destroy them 
and they need an environment where they are protected and nurtured. Catch this. Because the church lacks knowledge and righteous judgment, they allow sin to run rampant in them and hide in them. Imagine the Holy Spirit trying to convict the world of sin and purge them of it, and its own body is protecting sin. How disappointed he is in us. We can't correct our brothers or rebuke them for frolicking with iniquity because it's not my place. Judge not lest she be judged. Only God can judge, etc. Since we cannot judge, he will judge. First Peter chapter 4, verse 17 through 18. Let's read it. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Verse 18. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Also, something I want to add, when your brother corrects you or judges you by the word of God, do you not know it is still Christ judging you? The spirit of Christ is within us and he is prompting us to judge. If your brother is guiding, is judging you righteously, and let's go through some steps to see if your brother is judging you righteously. Number one, do they have scripture in context to back up their judgment? Yes. Okay. Number two, are they in the same sin or error as you? No. Okay. Number three, are they judging you to prove they are better self-righteously? No? Okay. Number four, are they judging you because they love you and wish for you not to perish in your sin, but to excel in the things of Christ because you are called, we are called to edify and correct each other? Yes? Okay. If your brother is judging you righteously, it is the spirit of God inside them trying to help you. Yet you dismiss the voice of God because you lack the knowledge of what judgment looks like. Hmm. So family, righteous judgment versus unrighteous judgment. You can judge, but because we have lacked the ability to judge correctly because we lack the knowledge of the word of God and we lean on, we lean, lean on other people to judge for us or we follow any type of hate train and think, yeah, yeah, that's that's it. That's it. They're, they're definitely in, in, in error with God. Know for yourself, know the word of God, know how judgment actually looks. And ask the Holy Spirit to give you the gift of discernment. Father, give me the ability to recognize and to know your voice. Do not judge out of hypocrisy, envy, jealousy, self-righteousness. But you can judge. I went through step by step how you can judge and how Christ himself said we can judge. And how Paul himself, an apostle, the main writer of the New Testament, Holy Spirit influence, judged all his epistles had judgment in it. Ask the Holy Spirit for discernment, the ability to know evil from good. That's a judgment. The ability to determine that's evil, that's wicked, that's righteousness. That is a judgment. You can't judge. But because the church is lacking judgment, Christ is literally stepping over and he's judging the wickedness in his body. This is why exposure of the wicked in the church is happening. So yeah, y'all be blessed. And I hope this helps somebody. Bye.